Our scripture reading today is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. Thank you, Paul. If you don't have your Bibles open, let's go ahead and open them to Colossians as we continue our study through the book. We're in verses 28 and 29. In 2004, some of you will remember this story. Um, Olympic Games of 2004, Matt Emmons, uh, one of the best sharpshooters we've ever produced, was down to his final shot. He was going for his second Olympic gold of these games. You can picture in these shooting competitions, uh, the, the competitors are lined up with their guns. They kind of hold them, they hold them like this, and they got it's like a lane that you shoot down. At the end of the lane is a target, and then someone next to you is shooting down their lane, and someone next to them, you see it goes like that, almost like a bowling alley. You're standing at the end, looking down at the pins where your target is. Emmons was so far ahead that all he needed in the shooting terms was an average score. Now for someone of his caliber and expertise, I mean, like a professional truly, uh, to, to, to get an average score, it was like this. He needs to hit the broad side of the barn. And, and so it's just kind of a no brainer. And so his last shot, it wasn't just average y'all, it was great. But Matt Emmons went from a surefire gold to eighth place and to no medal at all because Matt Emmons made a rare but fatal error. He cross-fired. That means when he got to his last shot and he drew down on his target, he just moved his gun to the left, drew down on the leather lane's target. Great shot, wrong target. Something similar can happen to you and I. You and I can live a great life and hit the wrong target. It's a fact. Here's how it happens. And just track with me on this. How, what do you mean we can live a great life and hit the wrong target? Well, it goes like this. We, we get swept up in this tremendously powerful current early in life. And, and you know, we're just kids and, and it's, you get swept up into this, into this current in, in kindergarten and boom, you're in kindergarten and you know what? You're just in school for 12 or more years. And you, you graduate and, and, and life is moving and the current's moving and you get a job. Some get married, some remain unmarried. Some who marry have kids, some get married and don't have kids. And you work and you earn a living and you pay the bills and you do try to save for the future and you try to save because you take a few vacations along the way. And then life gets increasingly complex and busy. And you are navigating just the inevitable challenges of life. And you find one day 
that your parents are old and you find yourself in that season of life caring for aging parents, which is appropriate and right. And then the current, it just throws you out into the, to the bay of retirement and you float there just a brief bit, there's currents there and that sweeps you out in the ocean of old age and then you die. <laughs> what a life, man. I mean, what a life. Now, if, you, if we, I don't know it's arguable that that current, listen, the current of the American dream, I'm describing an American culture. I'm not talking about global. I'm talking about most of us in this room. We get caught in the current of the American dream. It's the current we often call the good life. And I'm telling you, in the blink of an eye, we've lived a great life, but we've hit the wrong target because that's not the life that God intends for us. If we never, and I mean this, intentionally recalibrate because the good life it is the default mode of, of, of our culture. But if it's the default mode, you cannot escape it unless you reset. And I mean a very intentional resetting of your life, your values, and if I could say it this way, your mission, your, your, your purpose for living. You've got to reset it. In Colossians here, these verses, Paul just read 28 and 29, the apostle describes, he, he really does, he describes the target we were made to live for. No one's gonna leave this morning, and I love seeing some guest faces because I know we're here for baptism stuff, and I love, we, we all get to hear this. I love that I get to hear it for myself because no one's gonna leave this morning wondering, why am I on the planet? I mean, really, what's my purpose in life? I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna hear the answer from Paul himself. So let me give us some context right up to our, our, our two verses. Paul has begun this letter to the Colossians and in a nutshell, he has said, the center of all things is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He is the preeminent one. He is all sufficient. He is wholly exalted above all. This is that, that Christ him and the whole first chapter and we're finishing up chapter one in the last two verses. I told Rob, sweet, last week that, at, that I, I wasn't here because I was at Franklin so I had to watch his message last week and if you were here last week, you know he had verses 24 to 27 and he, and he talked about the mystery, right? The mystery that's revealed and he had that black box up here and he kind of teased y'all, you want me to lift it? Are you ready? And he just built it up and I said, I said, I could not wait for you to lift the box and reveal the mystery as it's tied to the passage. He didn't tell me what was in the box. So, so I'm just watching it on video. And man, when he lifted that box, I thought, man, that's good. Rob, that is brilliant. That's so good. And if you recall, when he lifted the box, it was just that little table and on it were the elements for the Lord's Supper. Under the box was the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And I said, that's brilliant because the way he built it up <laughs> and the way Paul builds up Christ, 
had he lifted the box and there been a stack of gold, had there been a giant diamond, you know what I'm saying? It would have been, eh, because there's nothing, nothing equal to the value of the mystery revealed, which is the person and work of Jesus Christ for you and for me. And, and, and now don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand on this, because I thought this, but I go, and the, and the beauty of it is when that box was raised and everyone understood it was the Lord's table, I wonder what people thought. And I wonder how many of you, don't raise your hand if you thought this, your first response was, that's it? Think about that. That's it? And it's like, whoa, wait, I gotta take that back. <laughs> no, that's it, you know, it's like, no, 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 this is the Lord. So it was such a, such a good, good lesson. Um, if Christ be who Paul declares him to be here in Colossians, the center of all things, then Paul's gonna logically tell us this, and, and here's the message in a phrase. Jesus only is worth living for. That, that, that's it. I mean, if Jesus is, is this, then he alone is worth living for. Now, I wanna unpack that. He's gonna, he's gonna tell us the what, the why, and the how of, of his own mission in life. What's my mission? Why is this my mission? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? And he's gonna tell us the how. Look in your, your journals or in your Bible and you wanna put a box around the references to Christ. You know, we've noted that this is a Christocentric book. But verses 28 and 29, once again, him we proclaim, box around him, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Box around Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, box around his, reference to Christ, his energy that he powerfully works within me, box around he. Four references to Christ in two verses. This is how the book of Colossians goes. We're gonna let the what, the why, and the how guide us through the passage, okay? It's two verses, what, why, and how. What are we made to, what are we on the planet for? Follow along in your note or your Bible there. It's just the first three words. Him we proclaim. Christ we proclaim. The, in the Greek, the him is in the priority position. It's a little awkward read. You know, him we proclaim. We don't talk like that. So I'm gonna phrase it this way. Why, you know, what, what's the what of what we do? We tell others about Jesus. That is so simple and clear. We, we tell others about Jesus. It, it's interesting to me that that simplicity and clarity of mission um, can get so uh, foggy and fuzzy. And I'm so guilty. I'm such a wordy person. I, I, I get, I, I'm guilty of that. And we can take those three words. Let's just take the three words of Paul. Him, we proclaim. We can play the telephone game with that. And so I take him, we proclaim. And I turn to the person next to me. It's that game, you know, you whisper in someone's ear. Him, we proclaim. And then they, they whisper that into the next person. And it goes to... And it goes all the way down, right? And you go eight people down. Him we proclaim pops out at the end as 
what, you know, not, not you have to say the phrase, but what comes out the end rather than him we proclaim? Is it clear or fuzzy? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, what comes out at the end of that game is like, that is not what the first person said, right? And, and we do that. And now I realize I'm gonna, uh, let me say this. We, we do that, I do that. And, and in fact, you know, him we proclaim can come out like this with all good intentions. You know, what, what do we do? Uh, we exist to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. Now, what is that statement? Those of you at fellowship, what is that statement I just said? It's our mission statement. I just threw our mission statement under the bus. No, no, I, you know, I, I, I did say the mission statement because I want only for you to hear that we can kind of gum it up a little. Now, Paul, he will add to that statement. So it's appropriate. And every church needs to, you know, frame the statement of clarity, but needs to frame it in their own context. And so, y'all, I could have chose any church in the world and took their mission statement and, and, and made that. And I only say it, if you're tracking with me, to say it's no more fundamental than this. What do we do? Tell others about Jesus. How about this? If that's what the Christian is on the planet to do, how much of your life and mine is marked by that mission? It's real simple. How much of your life and mine is marked by telling others about Jesus? There's no confusion, is there? There's clarity. Now, some may be thinking this, Lloyd, that's Paul's mission statement. I mean, I'm, I'm a homemaker. Um, I'm, I'm, a self, I'm self-employed. I'm retired. I'm, you know, I, I'm a teacher, I, whatever it may be. You go, that's Paul. Paul, I mean, come on, he's an apostle. I mean, he, he's, he's arguably um, the second most influential human being who ever lived, honestly, other than the man, Jesus Christ. And, and you're going, that's Paul's, not mine. And it's a great question. And I want to address it in this way. First, just note our context, the verse itself. Him, we proclaim. Who's the we? Now, I want you to start here. Chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So who do we know is the we so far? Paul and who? Okay, flip over to chapter four. Listen to this. Paul's still writing. He's wrapping up the letter and he says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Tychicus delivered the, the letter. So we got Paul, Timothy, and Tychicus is the we. And then he adds verse nine, and with him Onesimus. By the way, Onesimus was a slave who, who, who escaped and he's gonna address this later in the letter of Philemon. So you got Paul, Timothy, um, Tychicus, uh, Onesimus, verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Okay, so we got those, and then we got Aristarchus, and we have 
Mark. And then we have verse 11. And Jesus, who is called just, okay, now we have to add, we have to add justice to the we. And then he goes down to verse 12. Epaphras, who's the one who came and told Paul about the Colossians, we gotta add him to the list down in verse 14. And Luke, the, the, the writer of the gospel, we gotta add him to the list. And then, by the way, Demas. So all of a sudden, we've gone way beyond Paul. We've gone way beyond Paul and Timothy. And in essence, the we is we. It's the we. It's every Christ follower. When Jesus gave the command, go and make disciples of all nations, he gave that to a specific group of disciples in time and history. And yet we understand that command is not just for those, right? It was just not just for the, the, the 11 at that point, was it? Why in that verse, okay, Matthew 28, do we know that that command is not just for those? Do you know? In the verse itself, if, 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 if you're familiar with the verse, he says, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. The end of the age being when I come back. Those, those guys died, but Jesus is still with all disciples until the end of the age. Are, are you guys tracking with me? So see, we cannot, and I'm, I'm trying to emphasize this so that we don't kind of slip out from underneath this and kind of go, well, yeah, the apostles and the disciples, they had a mission, they had a purpose in life, but I'm, I'm different, I'm an architect, I'm a this. Well, I'll talk about that in a moment. No, this is our mission in life. We're all called to make disciples. Uh, one last, well, let me say this too on this, the what. Um, to proclaim Jesus requires that we open our mouth and use words. Here's another one that oftentimes we can get a little uncomfortable with and try and slip out from under, but you, you cannot... We cannot say, and sometimes we swing on these pendulums, you know, and, but you cannot say, look, I, 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 I just let people know I'm a Christian by my life. I just, I, I witness with my life. And, and, and it's like, okay, okay. But, you know, it's more important that I, that I just live the life than that I say the gospel. And I would say this, that's like saying, it's more important to breathe in than to breathe out. Really, really? It's more important to breathe in and to breathe out? No. By the way, they're going back because they really do not like the message. And I can tell they just, who, oh, there's more that are getting up and leaving. I mean, I got, what am I doing here? We're gonna have some baptisms in a moment. And they are going back to get ready for that. Well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? I'm being serious. What's more important? What's more important? There's not, you can't say the one's more important. You can't live if you only breathe in. You do not witness for Christ. You do not proclaim Christ if you never open your mouth. I, that's a biblical fact. You can say, well, I live it with my life. People, you gotta open your mouth to proclaim the gospel. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? They can't. We gotta open our mouth and say the words of the gospel. 
Note again, he says in verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. The proclamation of Jesus, telling others about Jesus has a negative component, corrective, admonishing, warning. You're going the wrong way. Proclamation of Jesus has a positive side of teaching and encouraging, this is the way of wisdom. It involves both, that proclamation. That's the what, we tell others about Jesus. The why, verse 28. Second, the last part. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is a purpose statement in your Bible. It is literally a purpose statement. Here's the reason, the purpose behind the proclamation of Jesus is that we may present everyone complete in Christ. When we study our Bibles, we're always looking for you know, many things, but one would be repetition. And this can slip right by us. I mean, it does me, you know, when, I, when I'm studying, I miss it. But there's, we've read one verse and he repeats one word three times. See, we, we, I think we can miss it. He, he's repeated. So whatever else he said, we ought to say, there's a word in here that he doesn't want us to miss. What's the word? What's the word? Say it out loud. Everyone. So, so according to Paul, he's just making sure we understand everyone. So I could say it this way. Today, who will you run into who needs to hear the message of Christ? Who will you run into today? Who, how many people will you run into? Everyone. There's, there's no one you'll bump into today. Now it's Sunday, so you might be thinking this is, this is the this is the Christian day. How about this? Go out to next week. Will, and this is a yes, no. Will, the, will you run into anyone? I don't care if you're pumping gas, buying groceries, or doing your job. Will you run into a human being next week to whom we are not compelled in our mission to tell of Christ? What's the answer? Y'all will never, you'll never meet a human being in life to whom we don't have the privilege of telling about Jesus. Well, mature is, uh, it describes um, completeness, wholeness, fully developed. The maturity so that we tell others about Christ so that we may present them mature, whole, complete in Christ. The idea being that we, we help people grow up to who they are and all they are in Jesus Christ. Paul describes maturity this way in Ephesians 4. He says, it is the attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, no longer infants, rather in all things grown up. Do you hear the contrast? No longer infants, no, grown up into him who is the head that is Christ. Think about the birth of a child. This is, this is so fundamental. We have the birth of a baby, an infant, a newborn, a few hours old. It's the end of the pregnancy. But now we have this baby and, and all our hopes and dreams and all, the, all that's right and true is this, that this baby would grow up in maturity and growth, right? A baby that remains a baby is, that's not right. It's not how God designed life. A new Christian is an infant. Paul calls us, calls him infant. 
But Paul calls some adults who've known Christ for some time, he calls them infants because they haven't matured in the faith. And what does every Christian need in order to, to grow up and become more like Christ? Warning, you're going the wrong way. Teaching, here's the way of wisdom. We all need it for each other to grow to maturity. The what, we tell others about Jesus. Why? To help them grow in Christ's likeness. Finally, the how, look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. How do we go about this, Paul? To toil, it's to labor to exhaustion. It's, it's to go to extreme fatigue. He doesn't just leave it with toil. He says it's struggling. And again, you know, we get these Greek words and we go, okay, there's the English word. This Greek word is agonizome, agonizome. At, what's the English word we get from that? Agony, it, that he works to agony, to, to exhaustion. In the Bible times, this word agonizome is, is, more, is uh, used most often in an athletic contest by which, you know, two athletes are wrestling and they're toying and they're sweating in order to win the prize. That's what Paul describes as the Christian life. That's how we, we toil and we struggle. Remember, Rob said last week that, that um, Paul was rejoicing in his struggling, in his toil. You will sweat. You will sweat as we live out our mission in life. If God's mission is costing you nothing, if, not that you live in total exhaustion, you don't burn out, but there, there is a work to be done for you and I as Christians that poops us out that we get tired and there are times of exhaustion. And if there is never any toil or agony in us, the question is, am I aimed at the right target or have I drifted over and I'm cross-firing with my life? The Christian life is no walk in the park. It is toil and agony and we rejoice in it. How in the world do we do that? This is so important. Notice he says, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, men and women. You and I cannot in and of ourselves tell others about Christ and help them grow in Christ. We do not in and of ourselves, we don't possess the power. And therefore God, when we trust Christ, sends his Holy Spirit. This is the spirit who hovered at creation, oversaw creation. Paul says it's the spirit who raised Christ from the dead. The spirit is not a power. The spirit is a person who within himself is all the power of God. And he lives in me and you the moment we trust Christ. And so the question is never, well, I, I can't. It's, okay, will I trust the Holy Spirit in me to provide the, the, the strength to say, to live? Does that make sense? I've always said this to you guys, the Christian life's impossible to live. And that's why the Holy Spirit lives in us, to, to live the life through us. I, I was wanting to illustrate this and then I said, no, I don't have time and it, it'd be a little too complicated. And 
I said, I need to, I need to stick with what's simple. And so let me, let me illustrate it in this way. I actually was gonna bring in a power, a, a chainsaw. <laughs> you know, I could get so stupid. And I, you know, and, and, and that could be disastrous. But I actually went and bought, y'all, an electric chainsaw. Because I thought, I'll do an electric chainsaw because that's more illustrative in the sense of, you know, you gotta hook the power up, you know, i.e., oh, the power of the Holy Spirit, you gotta hook that. And I thought, ah, that, you know, that's bad because in part, it would be embarrassing to come out with an electric chainsaw. You know, I'm like, no, man, I gotta have the, you know, thing. So here's the idea on the, the power of the, how do we experience the power of the spirit? How, how do we experience it? Why, why don't we experience it more? Well, may I suggest this? I think many of you have ridden or seen at least uh, a Segway. You know, that thing you stand on, the mall cop rides around on those things, but you go on tour, you know, tours. A Segway, the way that machine is designed is, you know, to carry you around. And, but you can stand on a Segway all day and go nowhere. You stand there all day. You can push buttons, it'll go nowhere. What makes the Segway move is when you lean forward. And just like I caught myself, my weight moving forward clicks the Segway's power on and the wheels catch up and stay under me. The power of the Holy Spirit is experienced in your life and mine when in any moment in life, we lean forward. And listen, if you lean forward, you, 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 you have the risk of falling. That's the point. You lean forward and it's in the leaning forward that you experience the power of the Spirit. We don't experience the power of the Spirit often. Can I say this? We don't take enough risks. We don't, we don't trust. And it's those who, who lean forward and, and you know, I'm gonna fall. And we, those people, experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that kind of power is required. Nothing less than that will do for you and I to tell others about Jesus and to help them grow in their faith. I'm gonna invite the, the band to come out and we are gonna get ready for some baptisms. And what an awesome uh, conclusion to our service. As the band comes out, I, I want to, if I may, uh, just offer a few final thoughts here. Because I, y'all, I, I was praying this week about the message and I thought, if one person gets this, they'll change the world. If four or five of us get it, oh my goodness. I mean, and so I don't know if this is, the spirit is, is, is helping this resonate with you. I trust he is, but I really mean this. We don't change the world because we come to church. We change the world because where we live, work and play, we're Christ. Now listen to me on this. Did I say for the band to come out and... <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I, 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 I said the cue, right? I'm like, hello. Is, <laughs> I, will, I will play the guitar, you know, and we'll do baptisms. <laughs> well, I'll keep talking at least. Um, listen to this. What you do for a living pays the bills. And you know what? Your work matters. And I, I want you to hear me say this. Your work really matters. Your job, whether, in, when I say homemaker, stay-at-home mom, dad, businessman, self-employed, cutting grass, 
Work is not a part of the curse. Work's a gift. Now, in the curse, it gets cursed and it's like, ugh, right? You've got weeds. But listen, what did Paul say in Colossians 1.20? That in Christ, everything's been reconciled and that includes work. What do you mean work's been reconciled? It means work now, okay? Our work, it always matters, but now it matters eternally. Wait, you don't understand what I, I sell electrical supplies. Yes, and it matters eternally. If you understand that your vocational calling as a follower of Christ is to tell others about Jesus and help them grow and do it in the power of the spirit till you break a sweat as you sell electrical components, as you clean teeth, as you teach third graders. Every job matters. There is no secular and sacred. There is no, oh, I'm gonna go in full-time ministry. You know, Christ, you're in full-time ministry. Y'all, what I did this week, okay, to prepare this message is of no more eternal significance than the diapers you changed, mom. I mean that. Than the calls you made for your work. If you're doing it in the power of the spirit and understanding that for the Christian, the target is not the American dream. It is not the good life. It is, period, to tell others about Jesus, help others grow in Christ and do it in the power of spirit till you break a sweat. That's it. That's all of our mission. Well, do we start singing first? But <laughs> well, you know, I called you guys five minutes ago. I was here, ready. Let's stand together. Um, we are gonna bring some folks out for baptisms. And I'll tell you what, I am so excited because if you wanna know what matters in life, this is what matters. This is why you're on the planet. It's why we exist for what we will do in these baptisms in a moment. Let's lift our voices and declare those truths. And then we will participate in that truth in these baptisms.